Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. And welcome to episode 189 of Geek Town Radio. I'm back this week with Bex. How are you doing? Hello, how are you doing? I'm all right. How are you? Yeah, good, thank you. No broken limbs, no no throat problems. <laughs> all no, good. No additional yeah. ones. <laughs> <laughs> good. Good. I'm glad to see we have practically a whole person there, which is useful. <laughs> Pretty much. I can't, you know, guarantee 100% brain power, but definitely <laughs> sort of starting to get back to full mobility, which is always nice. I was starting to look up on eBay for cyborg rocket powered legs, but it looks like this one's going to heal up. Damn it. <laughs> Would have been a perfect excuse for a rocket powered leg. Yeah, I'm not sure why I need an excuse for a rocket powered leg, but no. Nah. <laughs> Well, it seems a bit wasteful to hack off a perfectly functional limb, you know, so, you know. Yeah, I think I just go to dark places now. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so um, what have you been up to in the sort of month or so since you've last been up? Uh, had I started watching The 3% when we last spoke? I'm not sure I had. I don't think you had, no. No, because I, I completely finished binge-watching the rest of Gotham up to the end of that. Nice. While I was very ill and couldn't concentrate on anything proper. And Gotham was pretty much the only thing I could cope with because if I forgot what was going on, it didn't matter because anyone <laughs> who was dead had come back to life and um, the plot made so little sense at some points and so many things were happening at once that I could just kind of be like, oh, flashy, funny colours and yes. something's occurring. And uh, yeah. I, I quite enjoyed it for all of the complete nonsense that it has now become such a self-aware, stupid series. Like when, when you've got obviously the Joker, but not the Joker, trying to get back at his twin, who he's obviously going to turn into the Joker. And he's got yes. a brass band playing the Batman TV theme tune from, from the original series. You're like, yeah, no, they've, they've really sort of just embraced the fact that what they're making is like high budget car crash telly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it sort of started off trying to be something very different in its first season. And it was sort of start midway through the second season. They just decided, screw it, and just threw everything to, at the screen to see what's stuck. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, it's, oh. it's ridiculous. But it is, it's enjoyable if you oh. just detach it from being anything to do with Batman and just yeah. watch it as something preposterous. Definitely very entertaining when you're really ill and you're stuck in the house. Yeah, yeah. And the characters are great. I think the particularly I like 
uh, you know, Penguin and Riddler, and I, I think they, they, and he is a really good version of Joker as well. Um, they just even, mixed everything because they started like they started off trying to make him a little bit like Joker, like the original Joker, and then they started throwing in the new Fifty Two stuff with the face being cut off and staple yeah. back on, and while well, all the time be, saying he wasn't Joker, and yeah, yeah, they've changed him again, and obviously they're on the third actress for Ivy now, and yeah. it's so silly, but I there are some really good bits in it, like you say, the the relationship between Penguin and Riddler is really wonderfully done. And I do love the Penguin origin story stuff as well. I think that works really well. And that's actually adding something in that is kind of new information for me. Other than that, though, they just literally, they took a splatter gun with loads of keywords they got by reading a Wikipedia on Batman <laughs> and then just did whatever. And the, yeah. the fact we have Julian Bashir as Raz Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I, was just, I had to yeah. pause it and go, what the... <laughs> <laughs> But it made me giggle. It entertained me. Um, and, and the Tabitha and Butch kind of on again, off again relationship I really liked as well. And those characters were, they, they had some well put together characters in a complete crazy world. It, it sort of brought back the feeling to me a little bit of when I used to watch Revenge and things like Leverage. Oh, yeah. And that, those kind of things that they know they're silly. You just kind of have to go with it. So quite enjoyable. And then after I'd finished with that, I went on to, I was starting to feel a bit better. Yes. So I could go on to some actual good telly. So I watched the entire uh, first two seasons of The 3%. Yes, this is this uh, sci-fi drama. It's, a net, it's on Netflix, isn't it? But it's, 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 in, net, yeah, it's, it's Brazilian. It's a Brazilian drama. So it's all in Spanish. Uh, Portuguese, yeah. Portuguese, it's, okay. Um, it's really, really good. They, do, they have got a dub version as well, which isn't too bad. I watched a little bit in the dub just to see. And they've, they've done a fairly good, good job with it. Obviously, it is dubbed, so... I find that always I prefer to watch in the original language. But for people who don't do so well with subtitles, they have put effort in to make something watchable that's, that's right. dubbed. That's kind of cool. It's it's a nice dystopian future, slightly cyberpunky type world. It doesn't cover, for people that read a lot of sci-fi and cyberpunk, it doesn't cover any particularly new ground. Right. Because it is that age-old thing of you've got one part of society, which is most of the people, they've got no, you know, they haven't got access to the latest technology that's called kind of slums and then you've got three percent in this case of the population live on the offshore which is all of the high tech all of the resources and it's like they're like you know the second class citizens to the offshore and you can go through a people i keep reading things that say oh people are comparing it to the hunger games but it's really nothing like the hunger games right but they can when you hit 20 years old you can go through a process and if you're deemed worthy and you pass all these tests you're allowed to become part of the three percent and go to the offshore if you don't you can never try it again right so okay. there's kind of cults sort of always right rising up around, like a religion rising up around the process and it's they, the, the people in the offshore some of them are trying to convince themselves that this is a worthy process that you're supposed to go through and it's right that the world is right in order to cope with it all um, and right. that if you don't pass it's because you need to stay where you are and you don't deserve to be part of the three percent um, and then obviously there's terrorist kind of uprisings that want to put an end to it and want to take away the kind of inequality and do something else and it's really well acted and put together. It starts off a little bit slow, but they, they use their budget really well because they give you this impression of a very oppressive, sort of slightly off world and using sort of big empty, I don't know if it's a massive empty office block or something they're using for some of it, but it just by having no decoration anywhere and just mm. having these big plain coloured walls and people in slightly futuristic, very plain coloured suits and then the people from the, the offshore in kind of scraggly rags of clothing and 
and doing the best they can. They they've managed to really cleverly create a really good atmosphere. So it does, I was impressed. Yeah, it's it's not one I've got to yet, but um, I will have to go and check that out because uh, yeah. there's two seasons of it by the looks of things. Um, yeah, I watched the first episode and then I was like, oh, this is a slightly slow one that I need to pay attention to. I need to go back to this. And then now I had gone back to it, I basically binge watched it. Okay. And so I was like, I just needed to kind of be in the right mood to yeah. have something of that kind of pace. Yeah. Um, but it gets really, really good as it goes on. They, they've completely wrapped up the story at the end of the second season, but they've renewed it for a third. Oh, cool. Okay. I mean, they left it open at the end of the... I can't really say anything that happens without completely ruining it. But yeah. the end of the second season, you clearly could have just stopped there. Yeah, so... Because it has, like, a sort of almost movie-style ending where it's like, this isn't the end of the story, but it's the end of our experience of it. Right. But, yeah, apparently they've renewed it for a third season, which is going to come out, I think it says, this year. Yeah. Which is uh, quite a quick turnaround for it, so I'm yeah. interested to see what happens. Uh, yes, it was apparently it was renewed in June last year, so it's been renewed okay. for a while. So. Uh, okay, I must have read that wrong because I was reading articles saying it had just been renewed. Oh, uh, okay. Um, just like a couple of weeks ago, so maybe they just hadn't announced it. Maybe, but apparently it was renewed in June last year, so... Okay, so maybe they are already working yeah. on it. Hopefully. You would hope mm. at this point. I'm interested to see where it goes from here because it's going to have to be a very different arc of plot for the next series. It's going right, to have yeah. to move forward quite a bit, which isn't a bad thing. It could be cool to expand that world further because yeah. sometimes you get to the end of stories like this and think, oh, no, I kind of want to know what happens 10 years later when the world's changed in this way. And yeah. maybe they'll do that because there's a year gap between the first and second season right okay which entirely makes sense for the plot it would have been very very boring to have covered <laughs> the entire year in between when nothing was happening right yeah um, but it, it works so I'm wondering if they'll do an even bigger jump to the next season okay um, we'll see we'll see um, had I finished watching the rest of iZombie last time we spoke I don't think so no I think I, I think you'd so started I'm up to date on that finally that's due back uh, May 3rd of May for the uh, final fifth and final season, of that so uh, yeah, yes, they're bringing good it back for my birthday. I think that well, that's what that is. It's the day after my birthday, so yeah, there we go. See, they've brought it back just for us for the yes. final series. <laughs> I I really really love it. It's one of my favourite comedy drama yeah. series is going and I, I love the direction it taken with it because it ha- it had that potential to just be a bad guy of the week procedural thing and yeah. they managed to use all the good bits of procedural cop-, cop dramas and then also throw in the massive overarching plot and have it as a continuing series where yeah. you, you I mean you could kind of just dip in and out of it although by this point it's pretty much turned into primarily you're following a, yeah. a main plot it's really good it's really fun and I can't wait to see the end of that one um, yeah what else have I been watching I've just started watching Titans okay yes that I am going to be very interested to see what your reaction to it is because I've finished it, I've so. seen an episode and a half because you texting me saying it's one o'clock was when I went ah I better pause this so I so <laughs> 20 minutes into the second episode I'm assuming this first series based on the two episodes I've seen is one episode per character let's set up the characters there is a certain amount of that yes I think I said previously, I mean, the, the whole first season is pretty much them them getting together. And uh, right. it's a similar... I was getting that feeling from what I'd seen so far. And I was a little bit like, uh, I see why they have to do that. But it's quite a big cast and that's going to take quite a lot of episodes. So it takes up a lot of this first series. Then. Yeah, basically. And... It ends in a slightly odd way for me as well, but I I won't go into that because, you know, I don't want to spoil it. It's a slightly odd series. Yeah. I'm already getting this feeling that I'm not quite sure on the tone of it 
some of the effects in it I'm finding a little bizarre like in the fight scenes where they've added the CGI blood right yeah yeah and there are points I mean again this is just the first episode and a half but there are definitely points where I'm like they clearly haven't hit that person hard enough or scraped that person across the wall anywhere near hard enough to leave this massive blood stain or have this like I'm sort of this sort of feels like they added it after yeah and the choreography in the fight scenes I haven't seen a single punch that looked like it hit right okay like there, there was there nothing looks like it's making contact and occasionally you see someone do a flip or a cartwheel or a thing and you're like that's okay that's a, an acrobat that's brought in to do or a stunt double that's brought in to do that but all the rest of it no one feels like they're committing to any of the fight choreography ah uh, okay yeah now it's I... all it just and they feel like they're framing some shots to make it look really cool but because people aren't fully committed to holding their fist there or putting you know having you know Robin's staff extend at that point it yeah. just it all falls really flat and it gives it the impression of being low budget because you get that sometimes with lower budget stuff where they can't afford to train yeah, yeah. up people to do fight scenes enough they can't afford to get in actors who can do everything required for the role and it really has that feeling that I just can't take the fight scene seriously because they look like something that's choreographed to look cool for budget telly it's interesting that I hadn't particularly noticed that but having said that I'm I'm watching The Punisher at the moment and this is sort of DC's attempt to do that grittier sort of Daredevil Punisher level stuff and it is interesting comparing the two because The Punisher obviously is incredibly violent and mm. yeah there is there is a certain amount of, of that which I, I think you're probably right. I hadn't quite figured out what was slightly off with it, but yes, that's quite possibly true. It, it's very strange to to watch. And I'm again, I've only watched an episode and a half, so I can't completely judge it. But right now I'm feeling like I'm watching a show about the Titans written by an edgelord teenager. Right, yeah. I, well, um, It really, really is feeling... And I know, obviously, you have characters like Raven, who is very much... You know, she is a very trope-type character. She's a goth and she's a demon. Where, um, yeah. <laughs> but I'm kind of feeling everyone seems to be like that. And, and I get they're going for gritty and dark. There's just something really, really written by a teenager rather than aimed at teenagers. Yeah, I... Kind I, of feeling about it. Uh, yeah, I, I, I know what you mean. Yeah, I don't, you know, I don't want to completely slam the writers of this. I don't know what the brief was. I don't entirely know who the audience was, but it seems like it's aimed at adults based on the level of violence and things. And some bits I'm enjoying, and I think I will try more of it. Yeah. But I'm just like, so something doesn't feel quite right. It feels yeah. like they were trying very hard to write something edgy, which yes. never works. Yeah, I, I think that's, that's a fair assessment. I mean, I had... I had a few issues with the way that it's plotted. It's got that jumps around quite a lot. So, you know, you you are having episodes. Not every episode is following individual characters. You know, there is there is a sort of overarching plot mainly to do with, with following Raven. A lot of the plot is, is about Raven, which I thought was an odd pick because it's sort of the whole thing's really you thought would be about Dick Grayson, but it isn't. Well, uh, Raven gives you an, uh, a world-ending level event plot. Yeah. That, well, that, She's so, the one. If you make the plot around Dick Grayson, there's only so big your thing can be. But if they're going for superpowers and they have someone like Starfire in there, I can see why they might want to do a bigger plot and Raven is the obvious choice yeah, yeah. to do that around because they've aged Raven down a bit really, yeah. compared to the others. Yeah, that is there, true. There's, there's much more of an age gap than you would expect. So yeah. they they want to use her for, for that purpose. And I think the actress playing Raven, I mean, none of the acting is horrific. I'm more questioning the, yeah. 
the, the you know the tone and the style and the the script and other things rather than the acting specifically. But the the girl playing Raven is doing a very good job because that's quite a, a difficult character yeah. to play. And I don't recognise her. I'm assuming this is her first big role, unless you know, unless I've just missed her in something else. But she's she seems to be holding her own quite well. Yeah, I mean, I'm sort of with you on that. I think the acting's very good. I like I do like the overall world they've created as well. I mean, I, I like this sort of darker universe thing that they've created. I, I'm sort of with you I, I, on the plotting side of things. I'm I'm not entirely convinced the plot holds together. And it, and it does, the entire thing ends at a very odd point as well. So what's some more? I will be interested to see yeah, what I'm your opinion is at the end of it. A bit further, but I think at the point where they had a quite, mm, I don't know if I want to blame the choreography, but a badly executed mass fight scene, which mm. completely did not sit right and none of the punches landed in, and then have Dick Grayson say, well, I won't use the literal words because yeah, you know, yeah. it's the family, screw Batman, let's say, yeah. um, and just saying that almost to camera. I yeah. just sat there going, oh, yeah, you you want to be edgy. And I'm well, I'm not sure that that landed. Yes. It sort of almost made it campy. Yeah, I, I'm sort of with you on the, on the whole idea of them trying to specifically write it to be edgy rather than yeah. it just being edgy. It's, like, and, it's, a, it's a Batman universe-based show if you're going to have a lot of, you know, Robin slash Nightwing. I'm assuming he's going to become Nightwing because uh, of his age. And the, the, this part of DC, anything that's connected to these kind of characters they're already really dark yeah like i don't understand how they're failing to make a dark i mean you look at gotham it's like here's, <laughs> it's set in gotham it's really really dark everything's miserable yet they've basically made a comedy yeah um, and now I'm, yeah, I'm looking at Titus. And I'm like, this is dark. These are characters that do have some dark aspects to their past. Mm. And somehow, yeah, I, I'm going to have to watch some more to make a final judgment. But my initial reaction was kind of pulling a slightly strange expression and wondering quite how this happened. Yeah. So it's it's one of those things that again you know DC are are sort of had looked I think at things like Daredevil and gone oh let's do something a bit like that and not done it quite as well <laughs> so you know they they do dark so well in the comics I I know it's weird it's weird I don't know why it's not quite landed as well and it's from Belanti and Jeff Johns and Jeff Johns comic book writing is great and and Belanti's other DC TV shows are great if you know a lot lighter but yeah it's something in the execution and something or something in the first line of the brief for when they put this together is just Doesn't at odds work. with what yeah. they're, they're trying to do so it it's is- it's, it's one of yeah. It's just strange. I'm just going to be very confused about this for a while. I think it's one of those things that I think could have a really, really, really good second season, but they need to kind of figure a few things out in the first season. So, but will it get darker and better and more serious, or will it go Gotham and they'll just be like, we missed on the serious guys have everything. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I don't know. I, I either way, I'd be, I, you know, if they could sort out the darkness so it works better, or if they just like go screw it and we're just going to throw everything at it I, either of those i think would work for me you know so we'll we'll see where it ends up but i i think there is a lot of potential to it i just don't think the first season quite works as well as it needed to but uh we'll we'll see where it goes it's got what 10 episodes or whatever or eight or 10 episodes so we'll see one of the things it's sort of almost reminding me of for the wrong reasons is kick-ass <laughs> right. very very slightly something about 
about the way the costumes are coloured and everyone's overly being serious. It's because I'm watching Hawk and Dove at the moment. The, uh, that's the second episode and they're in the end of the first episode. Something about them was reminding me of some of the stuff in the first yeah. movie. Yes, that is actually quite true. I, I don't know that just connection. because there's a young girl with purple hair, short hair in it. Um, it's definitely something to do with yeah. Hawk and Dove reminding me a little bit of Kick-Ass. Interesting. Yes, I, I not made that connection, but I can see where you're coming from with I, that. I don't think it's supposed to. <laughs> no, probably not. <laughs> oh, well, uh, well, well, we'll, yes, we'll see how how, uh, how the rest of it plays out. But yeah, yeah I'll, I'll be interested. It's going to be one which I think we're going to talk about again. Um, oh, yeah. there's something I did finally watch really late to the party on this one. I've seen Solo. Okay, good. What did you think? <laughs> I thought it was all right. Yeah. I just... <laughs> That's an unpopular opinion, isn't it? Yeah. It's all right. <laughs> I really don't have strong feelings either way. I, I have to say, I thought uh, Eldon, whatever his name is, the, the guy that played Solo, I thought it was brilliant. And there are little points in that where he's, he looks like he's channeling Harrison Ford. And I thought it was just like, it just felt like a sort of nice sci-fi heist movie that yeah. you could watch even if you had no idea what Star Wars was. Yeah. And I kind of viewed it like that. A couple of things irritated me a bit with it. I wasn't sure about the whole, I don't know whether or not to call it a love interest thing going with the droid. Yeah, <laughs> yes. I, I wasn't sure what they were quite going for with that. It was no. a little bit peculiar, but that's not really, it's not consequential to the plot especially or anything, so that was fine. But yeah, it was, it was just, it was like, I just, in, I just enjoyed it. It was just all right. And so many people were really angry about it, really disappointed about it. And I was just sort of like, I'm just completely middle of the road on this. It's yeah. a perfectly acceptable, enjoyable stick on in the background with your mates around kind of film. Yeah. It had some, some nice bits. It obviously had a lovely amount of budget to make it all look nice and snazzy. I quite liked the, the chasing of the train plot line and stuff. It's a, yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. just nice. Yeah. I, I was perfectly okay with it. I really mm. didn't have any kind of horrendous vitriol towards it. I, I thought yeah, it was. I'd like to do a review on it, but it would be really, really boring to watch. Yeah. It, I know what you mean. You just sitting there going it's fine <laughs> this is okay this irked me a bit but it wasn't really consequential this bit was pretty this was kind of nice no one did anything terrible no one did anything exceptional yeah. and I had some popcorn <laughs> that was sort of my opinion of it I it's it's perfectly fine as a film I it's perfectly watchable it's a fun heist movie that's it I don't know what people were so upset about to be honest it's, it's Star Wars yeah and, that, that people yeah. will be upset because or, it's Star Wars or something. Extreme emotions are brought out yes, by anything true. that exists uh, a long time ago, far, far away kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, it's, um, I think people like to be polarised about Star Wars. It gets yeah. a, a lot of hits on YouTube to have a very strong opinion on Star Wars, I think is, uh, that is definitely true. a factor. Yes. Uh, the other thing I watched, which I watched this morning, because I was away for the weekend at my niece's birthday and was unable to watch it, was the first <laughs> episode of Star Trek Discovery Season 2. Ah, yes. Thoughts? I quite like it yes. I am slightly confused by some things and the the bit where she goes into the quarters and is looking at things like the personal logs of people yes why was she allowed in there that's such an epic thing to base a plot for an entire series on it's information she's got by being in someone else's bedroom uh, I... why was she allowed in there like that that really really threw me I was sort of watching the scene thinking this is supposed to be quite an emotional important scene for a primary character but she's basically basically poking around at someone else's stuff in their room on a different ship where she really shouldn't be allowed. There's no reason why <laughs> privacy should be allowed to invade it. No reason at all why she should have been allowed to do that. <laughs> and it, it sort of 
took me out of what was supposed to be a, a weighted moment. Um, I did enjoy a lot of the episode yeah. and I wasn't incredibly keen on bits of the end of the last series because I kind of felt like, I, saw, I can't remember who said it, I should really look up who said it, but somebody did a review of the last season and they said, why at the end of the series did giving somebody an iPad mean that she could control the planet and why did anyone else believe that her iPad could do that? <laughs> and I was like, that's an absolutely brilliant way of wording it. And there's been a few bits like that where I'm just going, okay, but this within the world I'm looking at, I'm not quite sure why this has worked or this is allowed or this has happened. Right, okay. I'm going to have to see where things go, but I do enjoy it i like quite a few of the characters i'm hoping they'll make tilly slightly less irritating i did prefer evil tilly um, <laughs> but I, I do like her character but i think they need to work on the kind of things because otherwise she's gonna have to walk into a room and go hi i'm cookie and i talk too much yes um, i need her to be a little bit more developed yeah she's, the, she's the, an interesting character they have they've dialed up the kookiness a bit too much mm. i think this time around yeah, i would like that dialed back a little bit to relate to yeah because before she was clearly very nervous now she's much more established mm. and they're using the kind of kooky talks too much social anxiety thing as a way of conveying everything she does now yeah yeah they, they could do with dialing that down a little bit it's uh, yeah. otherwise it's going to get very annoying and i can't i can't really complain about captains and first mates going on dangerous away missions that they obviously like wouldn't ever do because of chain of command because yes. that star trek's always been like that yes um, yes that, anything, the star- that's one of the things that makes it more authentically star trek yeah i mean um i'm i'm liking anson mount uh, as pike i uh, i i think he's really good uh, i i'm very interested to see where they go with that character particularly i mean i love jason isaac's last season i thought he was great but um i i think pike's an interesting character to sort of take over and, and be yeah. in in charge i like uh, how different he is and yeah. they're presenting him as not a perfect character as a flawed character because everyone in this is flawed obviously no, yes. no one no one's happy in the series but they are they are presenting him in a way that's believable and quite likable like once he's yeah. found, found his place with the crew and things because obviously this first episode he's getting to know people and they're setting boundaries and things but once he's established, I think he could be a brilliant addition. And I definitely like his portrayal of Pike as well. Yeah, I like um, that slightly more swaggery remind you of a bit of the original series type feel. Yeah. What's going to be kind of interesting is how long he sticks around, because I rather suspect that he may only be around for the one season. This could end up being being a ship that ends up with a different captain every season. Mm. Well, Pike uh, can't stay the captain of it because... He, yeah, because he's got to go yeah. back to the Enterprise. <laughs> he, he just can't. And that is, you know, as always, the problem with making things that are prequels as we've got them and things you know what characters can't die and where they're going to go if they have a an established plot point um yeah i am wondering what exactly they're going to do about the spock situation we've posted stories about this so uh i i can give you an answer to that if you genuinely want to know because uh, i've been avoiding spoilers so i've asked a question i don't know the answer to which is probably quite foolish on my part that's that's fine uh so so yes you will get an answer to that one way or another so uh okay. That's good. That's all I need to know. One other thing with the the Star Trek stuff as well is uh, the Star Trek, the short treks are on the Netflix UK service finally, but you may not have noticed them. I uh, read that they were up there, but I just wanted to watch um, Discovery when I got back this morning, so yeah. I jumped straight to that. There's only four of them. They're around 15 minutes to 18 minutes long, so there was only around an hour-ish, slightly over an hour of them. If you want to go and find them, they're not immediately obvious. You've got to go to Star Trek Discovery, scroll 
to the trailers and more bit, scroll past all the trailers, and they're at the bottom. Those right. those four things. So they've buried do them we on have the to surface. Do a handstand and put in a special code. Is this like Bandersnatch? It is a bit like that. Um, I, I don't know why they've decided to just bury them there rather than just stick them on the end of Discovery season one. But that's where they've put them. So uh, yeah, if you want to find the short treks, it's uh, Star Trek Discovery trailers and more. Scroll to the bottom. They're there. So uh, they're worth watching. Actually, they are. There's a there's a little one with Tilly. Uh, there's one with Harry Mudd, and there's a couple of other kind of interesting things. But they're not directly, as far as I'm aware, at the moment related to stories within the main Discovery show. So, but they're worth watching. So they're good. So uh, yeah, I mean, Discovery is obviously one of the things I've been watching this week. Punisher was the other thing that came onto Netflix this week, which I've I've been watching. I'm about five episodes into that. I'm really enjoying this series. Actually, has a really nice start in very sort of simple frank has pretty much been cleared as he was at the end of season one but he's living under an alias so as to not upset the sort of various authorities he's kind of taken an alias and he's trying to sort of live under the radar he's in this bar he's flirting with the barmaid to just sat drinking uh this girl walks in looks very nervous he clocks her as she walks in and keeps an eye on her because he thinks there's something not quite right there it then transpires that a bunch of people come in chasing after her and he ends up going to save her and all hell breaks loose from there that's basically the sort of premise in the setup so it's frank protecting this this girl but it's a really solid start uh i'm five episodes in really enjoying it it's sort of very much the aftermath of season one and and what happened with Billy Russo and their continuing bits of that story. They've said that they are prepped and ready to go if they do want to season three on Netflix, but I think everybody is expecting it to be cancelled, regardless of what the numbers are like because right. they've cancelled everything else so i don't think you know if this is cancelled there's a fair that i mean there is no way that jessica jones is going to survive another season either punisher is the one thing that could possibly survive on its own on netflix without needing the support of everybody else but i strongly suspect that they are going to cancel it and uh it's unlikely to pop up anywhere other than well you can move it to hulu maybe where where disney have got like a, a large stake in Hulu, but it's not going to move to the Disney Plus service because that's a PG-13 and there is no way you can make the Punisher a PG-13 and still have it work. So uh, this may be the final season of it, but uh, worth watching, definitely. I'm really enjoying it. John Berthnoll is amazing in that role, so uh, very, very well worth going to watch. On a slightly lighter note, the other thing this week, Magnum PI started, which is a reboot of a show that I, I loved as a kid. <laughs> and uh, I, it's a great, you know, the world's greatest acting moustache that happens to be attached to the face of Tom Selleck <laughs> for, the, for the original. What kind of tone have they gone for this? Because, like, whenever they reboot things that are police-based, they either do what they did for The Man From U.N.C.L.E. and forget it was a comedy and make it serious or go the other way like they did with, I've forgotten the name, the other one they made a film out of and went the other way and made a serious one into a comedy. If you've ever seen an episode of Hawaii Five-O, the TV remake, mm-hmm. the more recent one, it's Hawaii Five-O. It's, okay. It's... It's exactly, I mean, it is actually plays like a spin off almost of Hawaii Five O. And it's in the same universe. There are going to be crossover episodes. It's by the same producers. If you like Hawaii Five O, you'll probably like Magnum. It's really just an extension of that whole universe. Uh, the characters are perfectly likable.
likable. I like the guy that plays Magnum. There is potential for some kind of good banter, buddy cop things going on between the little group that he has around him. But to all intents and purposes, it is basically an extension of that universe and it's exactly what you expect. If you've ever seen an episode of a Wi-Fi, you know exactly what you're going to get with Magnum. It's um, is that like early Hawaii Five O or later Hawaii Five O? Um, it opens or somewhere in between. <laughs> it's somewhere in between. Although it does open with him, well, kind of opens with him doing a jump from space. You know the 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 world's highest freefall that the yeah. um, the guy did. It's it's basically them recreating that, and that's sort of the opening scene, which has been in some that of the trailers. That sounds like a perfectly sensible place to start a cop drama. Yeah, I don't know why they um, don't all do that. That is explained as as not necessarily how it happened. There, there is an explanation for why they show that at the start, and it isn't necessarily true. But it's a nice sort of opening bit that they can throw in. But it's it's fine. It's silly. It's fun it's entertaining it's a y50 with a private investigator instead of the uh, 50 task force i mean that, that's basically what it is the other thing i watched was the passage which is this um mark paul goslier new drama it's okay it's interesting it's basically about him being ex-army he's an agent that works for this secretive group that are trying to solve this potential medical crisis the moment they're experimenting on criminals and uh, people who are volunteers that are serving life sentences. They work out that the reason that their treatment isn't working, effectively what it's doing is it's turning them into vampires, uh, essentially, or zombies or sort of some sort of vampire-zombie hybrid. I hate it when that happens. Yeah, I know, terrible. They realise that people are lasting longer before they turn the younger they are. So they decide what they need to do to stop this crisis is use a child. So they send the agent of which Mark Paul Gunsley's character is to go out and basically take a child who won't be missed. So it's a child from a group home. He goes to get her, realises that something isn't quite right and ends up absconding with the child. So that's sort of the premise of it. I mean, it's interesting. I'm I'm intrigued to see where it goes. I think it's based on quite a popular book. So, yeah, intriguing. It's on, on Fox. So we're worth catching, though, and seeing what you think. But, um, yeah, interesting premise for a TV show, I think. And it's very difficult to judge on sort of one episode exactly where they're going to go with it. But uh, it has that sort of sci-fi-esque dystopian future element to it. So, you know. We'll, yeah, we'll, it's we'll got see. things that tick my boxes on it. So I should probably check it out and, and see where it actually goes. Yeah, but it's called The Passage. It's running on Fox. Uh, beyond the first episode will be on Catch Up if you want to go and check that. That's all the stuff we've been doing this week. Let's move on to some TV and film news. So TV and film news this week. We kick off with the Renault's cancellations of pickups as usual. Uh, first one, the Sean Penn space drama, The First, won't be back for a second season because that has been dropped by Hulu. And to be honest, I wasn't even entirely convinced they were going to make a second season of this. It has all the hallmarks of a limited series when they put this together. I mean, it was kind of with a self-contained story because it, it's about the people being select, selected as the first people to go on a mission to Mars. 
it's all sort of all set before they actually leave on the mission to Mars, basically. And it's about that whole selection process and stuff. Ran on Channel 4 over here. So I'm, I'm not overly bothered that that doesn't come back because it worked quite well as a self-contained thing. So, you know, I enjoyed it, but I'm not overly concerned it's not back. The horror anthology series Channel Zero, that's been cancelled by Sci-Fi after three seasons. Gina Torres' suit spin-off has got a title. It's going to be called Imaginatively Pearson after Jessica Pearson, the character she played in Suits. So uh, that's coming. Don't know whether that's going to be picked up in the UK. Hopefully, if it is, it'll be picked up by Netflix because there is potential that they may want to cross that over with Suits and that's going to be a nightmare if somebody else picks it up. Yeah, it could be good, but it's not the spin-off I wanted. <laughs> Which one was the spin-off you wanted? Louis. <laughs> Did you want a, you had a Louis spin-off? <laughs> that's the spin-off I wanted. I wanted to sort of jump back in time a little bit to when he was with that uh, the lady, I can't remember her name, with the blonde hair and the oh, glasses. Right, yeah, yeah. Yes. I want them to sort of like take a, a temporary imaginary time loop holiday and set up a little private investigator business together or something. <laughs> and it would be them and their cats I'll be crying and being sarcastic. Yeah, I, I could watch him all day. He's uh, he's absolutely yeah, fabulous. That, that's that's the one. But I, I guess they can't they can't remove him from suits. No. But a mini series just about him would be amazing. Yes. Because he's the character, you hate him so much when you start watching Suits. Yeah. And then eventually you start to realise that... He's fabulous. He's, yeah. he's actually quite awesome. And a lot of the time he's trying to do his job properly, but he's surrounded by people that are playing games and lying and manipulating. And he's sort of trying to manipulate people in the way he, that other, everyone else is doing. And he just isn't as good at it. Yeah. And he's sick of everyone. But then you start to see why he's sick of everyone. Yeah. And he gets so much more relatable as it goes on. I mean, none of them are particularly wonderfully nice characters. They're all incredibly selfish people. People, but yeah. he becomes a character that becomes so watchable as it goes on. Like, I, yeah, I want a, a spin-off or a mini, mini spin-off of, of him. I would totally watch the heck out of that, but... Um, yeah, we're shouts loud enough and they'll hear us and then... Yeah, so... Um, <laughs> but, I mean, I love Gina Torres anyway, and uh, Jessica Pearson yeah. was a great character, and uh, this is basically if you watched the it was the finale of the last season of Suits you've kind of seen the pilot episode because that the finale of last season of Suits was basically the pilot for Pearson so you know the sort of thing you're going to get it's Jessica in Chicago dealing with Chicago politics rather than it being a straight spin-off law thing with her setting up a new law firm it's not that it allows them to kind of run it alongside and occasionally people can turn up just for one episode yeah there will be she a, can call on people for help when she needs them and when the timing filming and budget constraints allow sort of like the other yeah. people to just sort of show up occasionally for an episode i'm so, interested to see if it works just as a straight up standalone or if it just comes across as a spin-off because it is quite difficult to spin something off like that although so, saying that i mean you know, the best example i can think of of a spin-off randomly is angel yeah well yes that was arguably better than buffy towards the end it, of it, so. it ended up with a separate fan base almost uh, yeah. that managed to completely find its own feet and do that so it is, it is possible but it's quite rare to see something be that successful at it yeah so we'll we'll see but um yeah i'm quite looking forward to that i think that that could be quite interesting hopefully like i say netflix will pick it up over here but we don't know yet channel four has renewed staff let's flats for a second season uh, i know um, gray is a huge fan of this but i haven't seen a single episode of it so i've no idea whether it's any good or not netflix 
Texas renewed Grayson Frankie for a sixth season before the fifth season has even aired, which I don't think is a great surprise to anybody because it's been award kind of nominated across the board. So I'm very happy for that to be back. Um, another little bit of news that dropped over the weekend as well. Gillian Anderson is set to play Margaret Thatcher in The Crown season four, apparently, which is an interesting bit of casting, I thought. So, um, yeah, I, I can sort of see that maybe. <laughs> and it's the first thought I had was it's going to sound strange not as in she's going to have to do the accent such a different voice and accent because her way of speaking is very very distinctive yeah so So it's going to be strange seeing her face with what must have to sound like not her voice coming out of it so so that's going to be interesting but uh, great actress very very interesting character to play so we'll see how that goes Moving on to some other bigger news stories. This one came very much out of left field because I don't think anybody was expecting it. Jason Reitman, son of the original Ghostbusters director Ivan Reitman, is going to direct another instalment of the Ghostbusters franchise, which is more of a direct sequel to the original two movies, has nothing to do with the female-led Paul Feige 2016 reboot. So it's going to be set in the original world that was saved by the original Ghostbusters team of Venkman, Stans, Spengler, and uh, Winston Zedmore. So it's essentially it's Ghostbusters 3, which they've been talking about for a while. There are rumours flying around that it maybe will have a young, possibly teen cast, which slightly bothers me. But yeah, I mean, I, it does mean that you can rope some of the uh, the older guys into that world. I, I'm not convinced you'll get Bill Murray to do it. Maybe you might get him to pop in. Dan Aykroyd, I'm sure, will be perfectly happy. Harold Ramis, unfortunately, passed away. Ernie Hudson, I'm sure you get to pop up as well. So I don't know. Jason had sort of said, I always thought of myself as the first Ghostbusters fan when I was six years old on a set visit. I wanted to make a movie for all the other fans. This is the next chapter of the original franchise. It's not a reboot. What happened in the 80s happened in the 80s. This is all set in present day. Until you said it might have a teenage cast. Yeah. I've been going along the thinking of, well, it couldn't possibly be worse than the reboot, which had probably about 20 minutes of content I enjoyed and the rest of it, I just wanted it to go away. I think the only way it could be worse for me than the 2016 one is if it does have a teenage cast and they make it into the equivalent of the Gem and the Holograms reboot that got made. Right, okay. That's the only way it could be worse, I think. I mean, he loves the films, why not? If, if, if someone else can have another go at it and we'll, we'll see what happens. I think if you get some of the original cast in to do it, I mean, the one thing Bill Murray had always said is he wouldn't come back and play Venkman unless he could come back and play Venkman as a ghost, which I always thought was a great idea. Mm-hmm. Um, so there is that. And if you could get maybe the others, uh, the other two coming back, if you could get Ernie Hudson and Dan Aykroyd to maybe come back and maybe have them as the sort of older generation deciding that they're too old to do it and handing off to a younger group, possibly, that may work. Um, There's various ways you could do it, because I thought this when the 2016 one came out, I was like, well, you could have easily made it that it's been long enough since the Ghostbusters saved everything that they've become like comic book characters and, you know, they're people that people dress up as for parties and things and they're, they're not taken seriously anymore and then something else happens and some people want to take up the mantle like it could have been younger relatives or people that were fans of them or something or people like I thought it would make sense for the reboot if the people that became the new Ghostbusters had been people say who'd been the kids affected by the ghosts in the original movies yeah Um, you could have easily written it to work as an evolution that way and tied it in so maybe they will do something like this with this because 
the, the all the kind of like when you had the mess you know, half the city was like covered in ghost bit of plots in the previous movies. Easily, you could just be like, this is someone who you saw, you saw this child in this scene being scared by a ghost. Oh, that's this person here. They remember that and the whole of their life, all they wanted to do was be a Ghostbuster and this is their chance. Yeah, so... yeah, And, the, and you, can, yeah. you can do it. Yeah, I, I think there is definitely some potential for that there so we'll we'll have to see what they come up with but i like the fact that you've got a legacy directing it you know um you've jason reitman uh, he's somebody who's obviously a huge fan of the franchise she probably knows it better than anybody so i think that's absolutely fine um he has directed one of my favorite movies of all time which is juno which with ellen page and michael Sarah, which is is hilarious and just one of the funniest movies i've ever seen so i i'm very happy to have him behind this uh you know slightly drier comedy right because i've not actually seen it myself but i've heard a lot of good things yeah it is um it's it's <laughs> I, I love the 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 sarcasm from ellen page's character in that is he's just wonderful so um he, he yeah, d- so that's a good sign because that's the sort of humor that ghostbusters is supposed to be and that's one of the things i felt was missing yeah from the reboot that just made it i felt the reboot was more scooby-doo right okay i i've never i've never watched the reboot it really didn't it really, really didn't. isn't very good yeah it, i've i've heard too, that. a lot of the jokes just do not land you right. can see why i mean some bits are funny but the whole film is not consistently funny the thing i thought was the best thing about the entire film which is a really sad thing to say is that it's filmed in like a very much widescreen so you have letterboxing on your tv even if you've got a widescreen telly yeah whenever there would be a thing that was in 3d in the cinema like the proton beams coming out the packs whenever those are coming towards the audience they've made it so those go over the letterboxing effect ah interesting and i thought that was a really interesting way of trying to give something of a slightly 3D experience and use that otherwise wasted letterboxing space because if people did have a super widescreen TV it wouldn't detract yeah. but if you, for anyone with a normal widescreen TV you had this extra thing and that kind of gave it an extra dimension interesting unfortunately you can't really watch an entire film just because every now and again yeah. there's a slightly cool effect with the letterboxing but that was honestly the best thing I remember about it which is that's not a good sign is it really yeah and it had Thor in it you know it has yes. Thor in it, and still, I think the best thing was a way of utilising the three D effect. Yes, yes, I did not not convincing me to want to go and spend two and a half no, hours I watching it, it, so other people don't have to. <laughs> yes, <laughs> and I watched it because I didn't want to judge it without having watched it, and then I just wanted that time back. Yeah, it's the... so Scooby Doo. Oh it's dear, it's so ridiculously just. It's that, exactly that type of plotline that just winds me up. There was only one character I liked out of the the main cast. Yes, I. I was. I'm quite glad I haven't seen the rest of it now, so uh, I won't be going to watch that. But this, this, I'm quite interested in. Well, yeah, to... they've got a teaser up, but it it, it, it doesn't give it, away anything. Yeah, yeah, it's it's because they wanted to put something up rather than they had any content. It's, it's basically it's it's the uh, the camera flying into a sort of dilapidated barn, and you see the the back of the uh, the Ghostbuster mobile, whatever it's yeah, called, under a tarpaulin. Echo Echo One. You see. It under a tarpaulin and the tarpaulin kind of flips up and you see the number plate and stuff. So I, I think this is interesting. It's got an interesting guy attached to it. There's a good chance that they can probably convince the original cast to come back or some, you know, the, some of the original cast 
that are still around to come back. So there is potential for a handoff there and it could work. We'll have to wait to see what they come up with. Moving on, uh, Matthew Rhys has landed a new role here of, of the Americans' fame. He's landed a new role in HBO's new Perry Mason series, which is apparently going to be a limited series. So that sort of says it's potentially only going to be like eight episodes or something. Perry Mason's a character, if you're not aware, has been around for a very, very, very long time. He's a private investigator slash lawyer. What's interesting about this is, I mean, it was an old TV show. It was first around in 1957. It was sort of part detective show, part courtroom drama. So the first half of the show sort of followed Perry Mason along with his PI and his secretary investigating crimes. And then when the client was accused, the second half showed to, was sort of a courtroom drama bit. So it was sort of an interesting setup. They've remade it and uh, the, in the 70s as well. They've done sort of TV movies. I think it was a radio show as well. So there's lots of different versions. What's kind of interesting about this version is they've, rather than trying to do what they do with Hawaii Five O and stuff and move everything into the future, they're actually leaving it set in 1932, Los Angeles. Okay. It's in a country which is recovering from the Great Depression, but LA itself is actually doing fairly well. you've got the Olympics arriving around that sort of time talking pictures are about to sort of start to take off so it's it's a very kind of buzzy city around that time Uh, I think the fact they're setting it in that time period is the only reason I don't think it's just going to be an in name only there was just a license that it's a no name so they bought it but actually it's unrelated the fact they're actually setting it in that time is the only thing that gives me a reason to think there's any point to it actually being a yeah. a, a reboot or whatever it is of, of that franchise. I keep wondering what they're going to make next. Like, are we going to get, I'd say Murder, She Wrote, but we had Castle, which was basically Murder, She Wrote. <laughs> yeah. um, what are we, we going to ne- get next? It would be like Diagnosis Murder. Is that going to come back? I, I don't know. Well, you see, the obvious one for me is the A-Team out of those sort of 80s TV shows. That, yeah, the A-Team would have been amazing because the film, I was really sad we didn't get more of the films because I really liked the A-Team film. Yeah, I thought the A-Team film was perfectly fine. You know, I quite enjoyed it. I thought it. it was good. I don't know if that's if it's a licensing thing because if the licensing's owned for the yeah. films and if they were going to do more with that, maybe that's stopping it. And it would be quite a high-budget TV show to do but probably you could still do it i don't know i'm waiting for like dr quinn medicine woman to get rebooted or something (laughs) it's just we're running out of the good ones now yeah or they can't do good ones it's it's gonna start getting thin on the ground we're gonna get a dr quinn medicine woman reboot whether we want it or not aren't we probably probably well i i think cbs are just going through a catalogue of things with cool theme tunes which 18 fits in perfectly well you know cool theme tunes but they have to cost less than a fiver seems to be the prerequisite which is why we haven't got the A-team. Yes, maybe. Maybe that's it. And you can't set the A-team in Hawaii. That's the problem. Well, you could, I guess, but it's kind of limited. You could set limited. it anywhere. They it's... just run away, but this time they've got the intelligence to run away somewhere really nice and warm. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Maybe. So, uh, I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, this this does sound like it could be quite interesting. For, for a start, it's HBO doing it, so you know it's going to have a budget. Um, the, the idea that they're setting it in 1930s, I think, is quite interesting. Matthew Reese is a great actor. I think he's a really interesting choice for it. The team behind it is actually um, Robert Downey Jr.'s Team Downey because he originally bought the license with the premise of making it a film with him starring in it. Okay. And then it... HBO go 
got involved and it sort of morphed into a TV project and uh, he decided he wasn't going to do it as, with him starring it and as a TV project. Nick Palazzio, who did True Detective, was originally attached as writer. He then left, so this new iteration comes from a duo of Rolling Jones, who has done things like Boardwalk Empire, Weeds and Life in Pieces, and Ron Fitzgerald, who has done Weeds and Westworld. They're going to sort of exec produce and write and serve as showrunners. So, so sort of an interesting mix of people behind it. I don't know. It's an interesting one for HBO because they don't do procedurally things very much. And the fact that they're billing it as a limited series... I'd argue it's probably not going to be procedural. It's probably going to be a single case that takes up the entire run. I would have thought that will probably be the case, but it's interesting. I'm intrigued to see what they do with it because it's bearing in mind the source material was very procedural. I don't know. We'll we'll have to see. We'll have to see what they come up with. And lastly, the news that uh, Netflix have announced a new TV show called Space Force from the offices Steve Carell and... uh, Greg Daniels. So those are the people that were behind the US remake of The Office. The basic premise for it is you remember a few months ago, the Trump administration announced they were creating a sixth division of the armed forces called Space Force, which is to defend satellites from attack, perform other space related tasks or something, as the uh, trailer for this put it. Space Force, the TV show, is the story of the men and women who have to figure out what Space Force is and does, basically. It's going to starve Steve Carell in the lead role. Uh, He's co-created it with Greg Daniels, who is going to exact produce and be showrunner. It sounds like it's going to be sort of the office workplace type thing, but based around a NASA Space Force military type agency I mean I have no idea whether this is going to be any good or not but it's a really interesting idea it sounds funny it's a wonderful bit of trolling of the Trump administration (laughs) and uh, I would be quite worried if I were working on this I have to say because you are trolling not just something political in their own country but something currently going on that's quite that isn't yeah I'm I'm unused to seeing things on major channels streaming services being so quick to put up something that's presumably going to be satirical and highly damning of yes. something currently going on in the political landscape. But having said that, there is a very good chance that Space Force as an initiative is never going to see the light of day. So, I don't but know. What if it does? Well, if it does... I what mean... if it does and things in this show are really close to what happens in reality? It'll be like in The Simpsons where they predict something as a joke and then it happens. But then it's, look at Veep or the thick of it, you know, or even things going back to as far as Yes Prime Minister, which you know they mm. they said was scarily accurate to how parliament works so i mean i don't know it's a long tradition of of this sort of stuff of poking fun at, of administrations and admittedly this is poking fun at a specific policy current, current <laughs> policy and yeah so i have yeah, not but, seen the american office so that leaves me without um yeah. I, i've seen a few episodes of it it's and it's much beloved around the world so i mean yeah. i think this is this is going to be interesting to see where they go with it but uh, they've not set an air date for it yet it's just coming soon to Netflix so we'll see how it goes but uh, that's one to look out for it's going to be called Space Force and that's it for the news for this week next we have an interview (laughs) 
Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The interview this week is with the Just Us League. This is the comedy duo of uh, Gary and Javier. They have a new show which is touring right now called the Marvel Us Unofficial Marvel Parody Show. They had a standing room only season at the Edinburgh Fringe last year. They're now touring the show around the UK. They also had a critically acclaimed tour of Australia as well. They are returning with this new show which basically takes all 10 years of the Marvel movies and squeezes them all into one hour of comedy. So they're using their signature high energy style to create short, punchy scenes and uh, they squeeze a decade of the Marvel Cinematic Universe into one hour of action-packed comedy. It's touring across the UK right now. If you want to find out more about it, you can go to the justusleague.co.uk to find tickets. But uh, here are Gary and Harrier to talk a little bit more about... The show and what you can expect. Hi guys, we are the Justice League. I am Gary. Yeah. I am Javier. Javier is the New Zealand one. I am the Kiwi, so the Antipodean accent you can hear, that is Javier. Yeah. <laughs> and the dulcet, slightly West Country tones, uh, Gary. Where did the pair of you meet? Because clearly you're from two very different places. So. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we, met, uh, we met doing a road trip to Nottingham. Nottingham! Uh, yeah, yeah. We were, um, we're both stand-ups, so we, yeah. we were doing a gig together and and there was a driver from London, and that's how we met. We went, yeah. Well, we both lived in London. Yeah, we yeah. both lived in London, but we met, yeah, in a car journey on the way to a, a comedy club in Nottingham. Mm. Cool. Cool. And uh, the show you're doing is called Marvel Us, the uh, unofficial Marvel parody, and you're touring that now. So where did the idea for that come from? (laughs) (laughs) Well, we're massive Marvel nerds, and we'd go to watch the movies together. And one Edinburgh, I think it was Edinburgh 2016. Nah, yeah, it would have been. Yeah, 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 we yeah. were um, we were both there, kind of like flyering for our individual shows, and it was you know it's a hard day flyering, and we saw this queue around the block for this <laughs> other venue, and we were like, what's what's that show? And um, we went and asked some of them in the queue. We said, what's what's this show about? And they said, oh, it's a um, it's an improvised a Doctor uh, Who Doctor Who show. Yeah, and we were like, oh, and like, we were there, you know, while solo shows, we were performing to yeah. a handful of people each. Yeah, this place know, is selling out. We selling said, out. We said, it's a Doctor. Who, they said, it's a Doctor Who show. We said, all right, who's putting it on? And they said, we don't know. It's just a Doctor <laughs> yeah, Who yeah. show. And we don't we, care. And we were sitting there going. What we need is a fan base existing that we are big fans of. And we were racking our brains. We were like, okay, we'll think about it after we go watch this latest Marvel film. (laughs) Yeah, then we will nail down what it's going to (laughs) be. Yeah, but in the meantime, I am so excited for X. Yeah, yeah, exactly. What was it? What would it have been? 2016. 2016, what would it have been? Uh, Maybe something like Civil War. Guardians 2, Civil War? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, probably Civil War. Yeah. Yeah, and then it just came so easily. It was yeah. brilliant. We were kind of surprised no one had done it before because yeah. we suddenly came up with this idea of like, what if we did a comedy show with, you know, about the MCU? Well, the, about the, the Marvel or, yeah. Yeah, all the movies in an hour. And we were like, surely someone's done that. It's mm. right there. And yeah. no one had. No, we were the first onto it. 
Yeah, it's cra- crazy nobody's done it before. They've done things like Star Wars and, and that sort of stuff, yeah. yeah. So, and I think I think it's worth pointing out that our show is slightly different than the uh, one-man Star Wars, wasn't it? Um, yeah, it is. Um, because, well, when we started out, we were like, okay, well, what we're going to do is we are just going to reenact every film in the space of an hour. Yeah, so we'll do Iron Man in five minutes. We'll do Captain America in five minutes. We'll do all the big ones, you know, shrink it down, do all the storylines. And when we did Iron Man, what we found is no one really cares about recreation. And maybe it was because, you know, we're recreating a movie that was already at that time, like seven years old or yeah, whatever. Yeah. No one could really remember the intricacies because we went back and rewatched yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we we're like, hey, remember this line of dialogue? And everyone's like, no, why <laughs> a film in seven years? So what we started doing is taking the funniest bits out of these bits and just making them sketches based on each movie. So kind of each each movie has a sketch that kind of encapsulates what we think the movie was, is about. Was it movies about or a very funny point in the movie or what well, you know, things that we can make fun of about the movie. But it's all come from a place of loving the movies. Like we're yeah. not there we're not there dissing the movies. We're not being snide. We're not being condescending. We're not or, punching down like yeah, yeah. we're we're making It's a labor of love. Yeah. Absolutely a labor of love. Yeah. Have I'm, you seen the new um have you seen the new Spider Man trailer yet? Yes. Yeah. I really like the look of it. It's gonna be um very interesting. They seem to be implying that it takes place immediately after the events of of the uh next movie of Endgame yeah, yeah Kevin Feige has, has clarified that uh, yeah he's, he's specifically said that the events take place after Endgame I heard a um, I heard a fan theory which I think is really good actually is that the so the the bus that yeah. Parker is on have you heard this the bus that he's on in Homecoming um, in Infinity War Infinity War is the bus taking them to Europe yes so in fact what's going to happen at Endgame probably is to the airport yeah 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 so yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. going to drive across the Pacific or <laughs> Atlantic. So I, I, I love that theory. I think that's brilliant. Yeah. yeah. I can't wait for Spider-Man to come and fix Britain. <laughs> yeah. It's just, we need it. We need it now more than ever. Yeah, exactly. I'm not even sure Spider-Man can fix Britain at this point. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just a sign of him um, uh, protesting Brexit yeah. or something. Yeah. yeah. But um, have you have you had any reaction from, uh, or, or, or would you like some reaction from people within the MCU of, uh, obviously not a cease and desist notice, but... <laughs> we would love a cease and desist. Oh, oh. the publicity. <laughs> You could make us oh. get sued. Oh, amazing. Disney have no idea we exist. <laughs> if, we could, if we could be the ant that is pushing against the giant yeah, Disney yeah. boot, we would love that to get any sort of, re- you know, yeah. any sort of recognition. Get on their radar. We, yeah. um, we, haven't, we, haven't had, um, we haven't had anything from cast members or anything, we, um, except for, we were talking about this earlier. Um, oh, Daryl. Daryl, the Australian housemate of Thor. Right, yeah. Yeah, yeah. we were touring Australia with the show earlier in the year and we gave him a bit of a shout out to be like hey can you give us a retweet and he did bless him oh. it's like go watch this it'll be really fun yeah truly awesome. Daryl um, level of anticlimax like can I mate can you retweet this yeah alright <laughs> and he just did and, and he did and that's the yeah, yeah, story yeah. awesome awesome yeah. um, so with the with the show obviously you've been spending hours honing it and getting it right when you're actually doing it is there actually much improv involved in is, the show or is it all planned this is a scripted show but we do we, we don't have a lot of self-discipline yeah we, we go <laughs> off script yeah yeah we, we can go off script a lot yeah yeah um, and it really comes down to how the audience is feeling like this is Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes you'll get like real mega fans 
which we love. Like, you know, the, the thing we love most is when fans come up to us afterwards and just go, that was a show for the fans. Yeah. It really is. Um, but yeah, we go off script a lot. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, um, yeah we don't have a lot of self-discipline. Our background is in improv. Yes. So um, That's how we started out as yeah. a double act. And in fact, we're writing a new, we're not writing it, we've come up with a new show called Improvengers Assemble, which <laughs> is an improvised Marvel movie. Yeah. Which we're, uh, yeah, we were taking to a few festivals and stuff. Mm. Oh, cool. That sounds great as well. We're going to be in Leicester Comedy Festival with that, actually, which is that's not a million miles from you, is it? No, no, not a million miles from me. There's a big Marvel live show touring quite soon, isn't there? Have you seen that? Yeah, yeah. Um, what's it called? It's like, I can't think what it's called. I've seen the trailer for it and they use a lot of background projection. Yeah, yeah. And it's like this real, because we've got no budget. We're kind of doing everything on Fringe and it's very, yeah. we, we make it funny, but we've got no, and then a Marvel are touring this massive show with live action. Super, and I, I, I feel like suing them. <laughs> you have stolen our thing. How dare you? <laughs> you stole you yeah, exactly. Sort of follow them round as, as they tour. Yeah, you yeah, yeah. Do the warm-up act for them. Yeah. <laughs> Couldn't afford the real show? <laughs> yeah. Do it in the studio venue. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah the studio theatre of the venue. <laughs> yes, yes. That's Get the one-off. Yeah, yeah, exactly that. So, um, when you're doing the show, are there, are there any particular MCU kind of bits or characters that you you like playing particularly? Oh, like a lot of the sketches are really fun to do, um, and we've kind of got the characters that we play. I don't think we've switched. We characters. don't ever switch characters. I'm at the moment. I'm always Iron. You're always Iron Man. You're always Captain America. America. I'm Hawkeye. You're Thor. Thor. You're I'm Hulk. Yes, you are Hulk. I'm, I'm Loki. Yeah. Yeah, we've got it. But we, we did do one show, because we've done the show so often, one show in Australia. We just, and your voice went. My voice, yeah, my voice is about to go, because um, I'm not trained. And so <laughs> the voice goes. The voice goes. And just before we went to go on stage, um, Gary was like, should we just switch roles today? Because he uh, half had a lot of the talking stuff. Right. He's more disciplined with the talky stuff. Yeah. So I was like, look, I think I know your part well enough. Let's swap roles yeah. and I'll do your bit and you do my bit that was really fun that was really fun <laughs> that was really fun um, yeah that's probably the most fun we've had <laughs> guessing each other's parts yeah. what's your favourite film to do I always like Guardians of the Galaxy Guardians is fun Guardians I like doing Civil fun. War Civil War's fun Thor is fun Doctor Strange Doctor Strange is really Doctor fun Doctor Strange is really fun yeah Black Panther Black Panther is fun <laughs> we, just, we just like doing them all yeah yeah Captain America, the ah, uh, oh, the yeah, yeah, yeah. Star Spangled Man. Star, Star Spangled yeah. Man is, is one of my favourites. We're trying not to say punchlines. That's the problem here. Yeah, like, we're like, oh, that's fun, but we can't say why. Yeah. Right? Yes, yes, of course. You look a bit like Mark Ruffalo. Who me? Yeah. Oh well, thank you. <laughs> you do, you do. You got. You look a bit like Mark Ruffalo. I, I will definitely take that as a compliment. He's a very attractive <laughs> man. <laughs> Um, regardless of the characters you like to play on stage, do you have a particular favourite Marvel character? Spider-Man. Spider-Man. Spider-Man, hands down, favourite. He's my favourite character for years. Yeah, uh, I think it's 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 a, it's a toss-up between Iron Man and Captain America for me. Boring. I know. Boring. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I... I uh... I love Civil War so hard. That's my favourite one. And I just love how they're both two old friends. And you can see how they're both coming at it from different angles. They're both very... My, my wife loves Iron Man. That's her favourite. So I'm thinking we're going to have to go for Cap. He's right. so dreamy. He's got the old school fashion values in a modern world. Yeah. I mean, what's he not is to dreamy. Like? What's not to like? I also <laughs> really like Star-Lord. But this just makes me sound like I have the, the taste of a teenage girl. <laughs> Spider-Man and Star-Lord. <laughs> <laughs> I don't mind. 
nothing wrong Who's with that. Favorite? What's your favourite Marvel film? I have to say Infinity War, probably. I've I, I re-watched a bunch of them recently, actually, mm-hmm. just sort of going through kind of in order of, of like the, the last phase. Yeah, that, that Infinity War movie's brilliant. It's insane. What I said, as soon as I watched that and I came out and I was like, that was just so well done. Mm. If I had to write that film, I wouldn't know where to start. But yeah. they, they balanced it perfectly. It perfectly. really felt like, you know, when you're reading graphic novels and the, yeah. it's a big crossover event, it felt like it had the same pacing as a big... It was done cross, better than a lot of titles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's like Age of Apocalypse or uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, or mm. Civil War. Yeah. It was it was brilliant, yeah. brilliant. Yeah. I love how they rejigged all the teams. Like, okay, Thor, you're going to be teaming up with Groot and Rocket. And, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, yeah. Black Panther, you're with uh, Winter Soldier. I love Yeah, it. yeah, yeah. All the changing ups. Yeah, I thought they did such a good job. And, and just the, the balance of, like you say, perfectly balanced as things should be. As it is to quote Thanos. Hey, very yeah. good. Very good. Than- and Thanos was incredible. Incredible yeah. There's a big argument that the Infinity War is a Thanos movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and what they did amazing well is there are times in the movie where you go, I think Thanos has a point. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> It's not wrong here. Yeah, yeah. you get, yeah. He's, he's got a point here. It is a Thanos movie, and it is it is that issue of he, the guy's not wrong. Although yes. I'm not entirely sure I I agree with genocide as a solution. No, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> but um, yeah, but it, he was an incredibly well balanced character. Yeah, Broken did an amazing job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he was like shooting cable, pretty much. Like, yeah, cable too. Yeah, yeah. Apple, yeah. Lapping. I hope. I really hope Deadpool makes his way into the MCU. Do I hope that? Do I hope that? I Do know. we want the X Men and Deadpool? I want the, X-Men the Fantastic and the MCU. Four. They, they, they no about one wants the Fantastic Four <laughs> no anywhere. One no one cares about the Fantastic Four. <laughs> Yeah, I, I would like, certainly I would like the X-Men to make an appearance. Um, I, possibly not the setup they've got at the moment. I think you could have oh, a whole... Oh, it's a dog's not. breakfast. They just need to let... They need <laughs> dog's to take, breakfast, did you? It's a dog's <laughs> breakfast. Like, they need to take that franchise out the back and just like... Look up at the sky, boy, and just yeah, yeah. Just, <laughs> smell the flowers, boy. You <laughs> go to the doggy heaven, yeah, and just start again. Yeah, it's such a shame that we'll we'll never get to see Hugh Jackman fit into because I think that would have been amazing. Never but, say never, my friend. Yeah, uh, never you, say never. I bet you if they shoved a script in his face where Wolverine sings, he'd be in there like. <laughs> <laughs> You're not wrong. <laughs> yeah. And here's where Logan sings about his feelings. <laughs> oh, mate. Oh, sure. Well, dude, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Hell, yeah. yeah, straight in, mate. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. 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 No, I... seven. Love it. <laughs> yeah. Ten years from now, X-Men the musical on stage. I could see him totally doing that. And we will be there pastiching that as well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> maybe, maybe that's the next thing. Maybe, maybe you do a do a musical. <laughs> you haven't heard us sing, dude. That is, uh, <laughs> sorry, I should say you haven't heard Harv sing. I've got the voice of an angel. <laughs> okay, there you go. Oh dear. So the the tour is is starting. Well, by the time this goes out, you will because we go out on Tuesday. So we, you will have started the tour. Uh, yeah, in that case, London was phenomenal. Oh, oh my great. god, it was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> we smashed it. So yeah. uh, you're all over the country. I noticed Bath, Birmingham, places, yeah. other places as well. Sudbury, Sudbury, Stanford, Hemel Hempstead, yeah. uh, all, the <laughs> all the big ones. Yeah, yeah. So uh, you'll be able to able to go and and see it. It's called Marvelous, the unofficial Marvel parody show. That's right, isn't it? Yeah. Yep. 
Yeah, that'll still... do. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right, so uh, so people need to go and, and look out for that. Oh, they can find tickets on uh, www.thejustusleague.co.uk. Yes, go find your tickets there. A couple of final questions. First question, what TV shows are you watching at the moment? Just wrapped up Titans, which was brilliant. Interesting. I've... I mean, awful. Uh, oh, no, whatever, whatever you think, mate. That's no, what I no, no, I mean, no, it was good. It it was good. It was just a bit of a mess, I thought. I thought plotting-wise, it was like... It turned into a bit of a road movie. It's the thing of they have this kind of through story and then an episode suddenly stops and you get an entire episode of backstory for a character and then it tries to move yep. forward again and it, it it's just a bit all over the place. That's the classic move, though, when anywhere a series is going really well. It's like, oh, the story's going this way and you can't wait to see what happens and, and then they go, okay, let's do a little backs. Yeah, yeah, backstab. Yeah, story on one character. Origin of this character. Backstab. Yeah, I, I just, I, I think the idea is great. The setup's great. I like the world that they're in. I like the actors. So overall, it's good. But I think there was a few plotting problems for me that I wanted it a bit. I sort of almost wanted them together at the start. Oh, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, as as that team of titans, and then yeah. going back to do the backstory afterwards, that's fine. But I yeah. wanted I wanted them to sort of start together rather than having the whole thing about them building the team. You know, Fair enough. so. But yes, I did like. I, I did. I really it. liked how tonally consistent they were. Yeah, like it was the same tone the whole way through. Yeah, not necessarily pitch, but yeah, definitely the same tone. Yeah. How about you, Half? What are you watching? Uh, I have just wrapped up uh, the eighth and final season of Voltron: Legendary Defender on ah. Netflix, which I'm finding very hard to kind of find anyone to empathize with because Voltron wasn't a thing in the UK. Nah, not at all. No. It wasn't a thing. Like, to hearing you guys say that so coldly hurts me <laughs> because it was a massive part of my childhood and anyone in the US and anyone in New Zealand, maybe Australia, Voltron was just the coolest. It was the first show that had nah, I don't care, mate. robots that formed, you know, yeah. combined to form a bigger robot. Anyway, yeah, Power Rangers. You mean Power Rangers? Shut up. <laughs> it was... <laughs> You mean you mean uh, you mean the Dinobots? Is that what you mean? From the Dinobots the... don't even com- they, they, they do they, they don't even combine. They do combine. They do not combine. The di- I swear the Dinobots, the Dinobots combine. don't combine. There yeah, was sure. there was some, no there wasn't there were sorry you're right they took down there was Transformers that combined because in the animated the what Gestalts is the name of the um the groups and there was like a digger and there's a Constructicons they, Constructicons they yes. formed Devastator yes that's right yeah yeah yeah, yeah. anyway that's what you mean anyway hijacker. <laughs> Like, if anyone watched Voltron as a kid, watch Voltron Legendary Defender. They've updated the series. They've made it slick, and it's got its own lore. It digs deeper into it, and it's just, it's just incredible. I watched the, the first few episodes just to get a little bit of a nostalgia hit, and then I found myself just, like, glued to it. Just next episode, next episode, next episode. It's great. Do you tweet half to talk about it, because he needs people to talk. He keeps trying to talk to me about it. Stop trying to make Voltron happen. Yeah, it's not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> there, there are there are definitely fans of Voltron out there. There, there are. I am the only reason I remember it is from comic books, and there used to be adverts for it, American comic books. Right, yeah, yeah. For it. That's the only reason I know about it. Yeah, there are definitely a, is a UK fan base out there. And uh, last question: If you had the opportunity to work on any TV show, past, present, or future, which show would it be? Oh, excellent question, Dawson's Creek. <laughs> I don't want to wait for my life. Yeah, yeah, Dawson's Creek. That, I love that. I don't care. I'm not even being. No, I'm no. I'm not even joking. Dawson's Creek. I love that show. That, don't know I, what you're talking about, mate. We didn't get it. <laughs> no, about. all the kids from the creek were combined, right, and become <laughs> one giant <laughs> teenager. <laughs> 
Oh, the uh, X-Men animated series. Oh, strong. Yeah. The X-Men animated series. What would you have done? Good. Um, I just made, made him keep going. And make Wolverine actually stab someone. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Then, like, I rewatched it. It's like it's amazing how much they can make Wolverine just like pull out the claws and do nothing else. Yeah. <laughs> uh, damn those kind of animation rules. <laughs> They're not allowed yeah, to. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly that. Yeah. Point with authority. Yeah. Just throw some more robots at him that he can chew up. Yeah, yeah. It's like the the old episodes of the A Team where a car used to like do twenty rolls, and then you'd see the people get up and go, "Ooh!" And just yeah, yeah, just exactly that. Nobody off, was allowed know. to die. Yeah, yeah, nobody was allowed to die. Awesome. <laughs> Well, uh, thank you for spending a little bit of time to, to talk. Uh, I'm looking forward to, to seeing the show at some point. It, it sounds when you, great. When are you coming? Do you know which city is nearest to you? Yeah, it will be Birmingham, I would think. Oh, sweet. Brilliant. So, yes, I will I will try and get along to the Birmingham one. That's uh, the Glee Club in Birmingham, isn't it? So, That's right, yeah. yeah. Yes, I will try and get along to that one. Awesome. Nice. Awesome. Thank cool. you so much, Dave. It's been a pleasure, mate. Yeah, really be, nice talking to you, buddy. been lovely talking to you. I'll uh, talk to you soon. Cheers. Cheers. Bye. 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 That was the interview with the Just Us League. If you want to find out more information about that, go to thejustusleague.co.uk. You can uh, go and find tickets, find where they're touring. It looks really funny. Uh, they're all over the UK, so I'm sure you'll find somewhere nearby. So uh, go and check that out. Next up, we have some highlights for next week on TV. <laughs> So highlights for next week on TV. We have uh, starting off the Frankie Drake Mysteries, which is back for its second season on Alibi, 22nd January at 9pm. This is the spin-off from the Murdoch Mysteries, first female private investigator solving crimes in 1920s Toronto. Uh, I've not seen any of the Murdoch Mysteries or, or the Frankie Drake Mysteries, so I have no idea whether that's any good, but uh, it's there if you want to go and watch it. Future Man Season 2 coming to Sci-Fi UK on the 23rd of January at 2am, and then they repeat it later on in the evening this was really funny the first season of this it's a wonderful silly sci-fi comedy well worth going to watch uh, it's about a, a janitor who gets uh, mysterious visitors who travel through time in order to prevent the extinction of humanity and he this sort of janitor by day gamer by night is the only person that can save them but uh, well worth going to look up that if you've not seen Future Man it's definitely worth watching Suits season 8 uh, second half of season 8 is coming back on uh, the 24th of January on Netflix. Yes, thoroughly enjoy that show, so well well worth coming back to that. Tin Star Season 2, that's on Sky Atlantic on the 24th of January at 9pm. Loved the first season of this. Tim Roth and Christina Hendricks in a sort of revenge thriller set in the Rocky Mountains, uh, produced by Kudos. It's a really great show. Well, well worth going to look at if you've missed the first season of that. Broad City Season 5 of that coming on the 25th of January at 11pm to comment. Comedy Central, Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, the second half of season four of that coming on the 25th of January, Bob's Burgers season nine coming to Comedy Central on the 25th of January at 10pm, Black Lightning returns to the second half of that season two. Uh, that's on the 28th of January. That's the first of the CW shows coming back. If you're wondering about the others, Flash looks like it's returning the end of February. Seems that Arrow might not be back until April, which is a bit weird. Yeah, because not- normally they like to have 
enough of a crossover in what's going on in them to and they yeah. won't be able to do that if they, they stagger the release by that much yeah so whether there's just no reason to keep them together and they're going to space them out my guess is maybe Flash and Supergirl are coming back together and then they're going to bring Arrow back with Legends because Legends doesn't come back in America until much later he's, he's not back until April in America so maybe they're going to run them to two and two but I, I'm not entirely sure at the moment so we'll have to wait and see Good Doctor back for the second half of that which is really Really solid medical drama from David Shaw, the guy that made House. That's on Sky Witness on 29th of February at 9pm. And uh, The Resident, which is another medical drama. Second half of that season comes back to Universal TV on 29th of January at 9pm. That's everything for this week, unless you've got anything else you want to mention. Uh, have you seen The Dark Room? No. The stage show? I haven't, no. That That is um, something I highly recommend to people, which I forgot to mention. The Dark Room started off as a viral youtube interactive video game ah right i knew i knew the name yes yeah it's um john robertson he's also known as robotron he's a comedian and he started off with this youtube thing he then started doing it as a stand-up style routine a kind of off-the-cuff one and it evolved from there into a proper thing which has been selling out absolutely everywhere and it's got dates for most of the rest of this year and right. for anyone that's ever played text adventure games of a certain yeah. age yes. i'm assuming um, <laughs> where, yes. which is basically games where all you had on screen back in the day for computer games was text and you would say where do you want to go in the room walk left go right yes. find this pick up that it's a completely hilarious ridiculous comedy version of that with audience participation okay so he cool. is the kind of dungeon master character completely Enoughly playing this up, and it's just the whole thing is just you're in a dark room, there's an audience. There's a screen that just has four options of text and you can pick them. And he's just there with kind of a torch pointed at his face and a light up costume that looks to me like some kind of BMX armor with um, LED strips on. Right. And he does this whole thing and the audience can pick what happens. And it's it's very, very funny. They've also got a uh, computer game out on Steam okay. as well, which is a CGI version of him, which you can which you can play at home, which is, again, very, very funny. So I would recommend to anyone that can get along with that definitely have a go the the comedian john robertson is um wonderfully mad i think is the way to describe him he is yes. a, uh, definitely a character and he enjoys that very much and plays that very much so i definitely recommend the dark room to anyone okay um that's it i think that's the only thing i, I missed cool okay and uh, <laughs> where could they find you uh, when they've finished googling the dark room because i've yeah. used the slot i'm supposed to promote myself into promote someone else yes um, <laughs> Uh, uh, I am Trista Bites, spelt B-Y-T-E-S, because I'm that geeky, I thought a pun would be funny. And I can be found, obviously, on the geektown.co.uk website, but also over on my YouTube channel as Trista Bites, and also Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, all as Trista Bites, because branding consistency. Of course. <laughs> so for us, if you want to find all the latest air dates and news throughout the week, go to geektown.co.uk. If you want to get in touch with your questions and comments, email us on podcast at geektown.co.uk. Leave a message on the website post. Find us at Geektown on Twitter, on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Geektown, on YouTube at youtube.com forward slash Geektown, and on Instagram at Geektown UK. That's everything. We shall see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods 
for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.